أعوذ بالله السميع العليم من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا رسول الله سيد الأولين والآخرين وعلى آله وصحبته أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته hope everybody is doing wonderful inshallah ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept uh, our prayers and our fasting and to facilitate alhamdulillah um, this Ramadan to make it a Ramadan of blessings inshallah. One of the blessings and signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us um, to experience parenting. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Yusuf, he quotes Prophet Yusuf saying, إِنِّي رَأَيْتُ أَحَدَ عَشَرَ كَوْكَبًا وَالشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمْرِ وَرَأَيْتُهُمْ لِي سَاجِدِينَ Prophet Yusuf, he says that I saw 11 stars in the sun and the moon prostrating to me. And the sun and the moon actually are his parents. So the parents, they shine light into the life of their children. MashaAllah, Alhamdulillah. Ameen, Ameen. Make dua for us, Rayhan. And their job is to illuminate that path. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran that pregnancy is very difficult. In fact, he mentions it in a way which, SubhanAllah, and we pray for you, Tashfeen, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you to experience an amazing pregnancy, inshallah. I know that my wife and I initially, we were scared that we couldn't have children. And then one day I came home and she said, guess what? I said, what? She said, I'm pregnant. And I, Brothers, I gave the, the worst response. I said, what gave you that idea? <laughs> and it was at a time, uh, Tashfeen, where we were at our most vulnerable, we were really, really down and we were making a lot of dua and we started to feel, subhanAllah, like helpless. And then Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed us, Alhamdulillah. So Alhamdulillah, the uh, topic that we inshallah plan to discuss, Alhamdulillah, and we want to be patient for other people to join, uh, inshallah, as they come is a very important one. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Wahnan ala wahnin, that childbirth is extremely difficult. And that actually the expression in Arabic is an expression of emphasis, which is kind of like the statement, Nurun ala nur. In Surah Al-Nur, when Allah talks about guidance on so Arabic, when you want to emphasize something, you say this, Salam ala salam, nur ala nur, rahma ala rahma, which is kind of like hyperbole. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in describing حَمَلَتْهُ أُمُّهُ وَهْنًا عَلَى وَهْنٍ وَفِصَالُهُ فِي عَامِينَ أَنِشْكُرْ لِوَالِدَيْكَ إِلَيَّ الْمَصِيرِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that she carried this child of hers وَهْنًا عَلَى وَهْنًا which means like extreme pain, extreme difficulty. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala acknowledges the pain of people and the challenge that people face. And we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he sent Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. He, he sent the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam as a mercy to people. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as a mercy is one who reminds and also, mashallah, one who um, encourages. Bashir wa nadir. Bashir wa nadir. And an extension of this mercy are some of the rulings that we find 
for a woman who's pregnant. And one of them is found in the hadith related by Imam At-Tirmidhi. And actually, uh, Yaman, we're going to talk about both because this hadith actually applies to both situations, the woman who is pregnant and the woman who is breastfeeding. And this is the hadith found in the Sunan of Imam At-Tirmidhi, which is a good hadith. That the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَضْعَ عَلَى الْحُبْلَ وَالْمُرْدِعَ the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has removed the obligation of fasting from a pregnant woman or a woman who is breastfeeding. And what we understand is it's her choice. She has the choice to either continue or to stop. This hadith is authentic. You can find it in the narrations in the Sunan of Imam Tirmidhi. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. So scholars, they agree on this issue that a woman has this right not to fast. It's her own utility, her own choice. Nobody should make her feel guilty if she chooses not to fast, nor should she be coerced to fast in any way, and nor should she made like any person who is um, given this dispensation, they should not be intimidated. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, لا إكراها في الدين There's no compulsion in religion. And also the authentic hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, and please remember this hadith because it's very important, that if somebody, if somebody is not fasting and they eat in front of somebody who is fasting, remember this hadith, and it's in the highlights from a few years ago, that if they eat in front of somebody who is fasting, the angels will make dua for the person who's fasting. SubhanAllah. So we shouldn't get mad at elderly people or people who may be sick or people who for whatever reason choose not to fast and they need to eat, especially if they're ill or they're pregnant or they're breastfeeding. It's very important for them to have their nutrition. When they eat in front of us, like my wife, for example, Allah, alhamdulillah, the angels, they're making dua for us. So why would anybody be upset if the angels are making dua for them? So this is an example of the empathy and the love and the care of the Prophet ﷺ in caring for people who are pregnant or people who are ill or people who are breastfeeding and are unable to fast. So scholars agree upon this. And the reason that they agree upon this outside of the text is that one of the foundational principles of Islamic legal philosophy is to remove harm and bring benefit. And that's why it's very important that when you take answers from people um, in these situations, that they have some training in Islamic law, it should be their specialty, and that they also should be trained in what's called usul al-fiqh, which is the philosophy of Islamic law. And then also they should be trained in fatwa. These three sciences are very important because to have one without the other may create an answer which is not properly aligned. So if we look at the philosophy of Islamic legal theory, and I need you all to remember this. The Prophet ﷺ, and in the Quran we find a pattern. And that pattern actually according to Imam Abu Hamad al-Ghazali, 
as well as Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim, Imam Al-Nawi, Imam Al-Haramain, Al-Razi, all of the different scholars from across the different spectrums of Islam. They said that the foundation, if people can type notes for people, also I think it will be helpful, that the foundational legal principle that guides Islam is that Islam is about bringing benefit and preventing harm. Jalb al-Masadih wa dar al-Mafasid. This is actually very important to Islamic law. To bring benefit and prevent harm. The Prophet said the best person is the one who benefits others. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he said, La darara wa la dirar. There's no harm or reciprocation of harm in Islam. And this principle that I'm mentioning is actually agreed upon by all four of the Islamic uh, schools of thought, alhamdulillah. So before we get into, and I see, you know, people kind of typing questions, let's listen first, inshallah. Listen to what I'm going to share with you. Be patient also. Don't rush. Inshallah, you will attain something, inshallah ta'ala. I know we live in a time where people are extremely, constantly, they want things fast. So Alhamdulillah, as I mentioned earlier, that training should be there. And I was lucky, Alhamdulillah, to be trained in those different sciences, as well as spend time training as a mufti uh, some years ago, Alhamdulillah. So I feel confident, inshallah. And I'm going to share an answer, which is going to differ even with my own school. And I think also this is very important to understand that classically, when we were taught fiqh, before we were taught fiqh, we were taught what's called the etiquette of debate and discussion. So that obviously we're going to differ. Obviously there's going to be different positions, but this should not create differences in the hearts. And that's how you can tell that people are trained, that they don't turn this into personal issues. This is an academic issue. So as we mentioned earlier, the Prophet wasallam. I'm gonna make this brief, in the authentic hadith from Sayyidina Imam Tirmidhi, he said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has removed the obligation of fasting from a pregnant woman and a breastfeeding woman. Also, we know postpartum women and so on and so forth. Why? Most ulama say because this is an example of Islam preventing harm. Protecting these people who may be physically compromised or harmed by fasting. Now Islam is bringing what's beneficial and preventing harm from them. That's why Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, he said, if you look at any verse in the Quran where Allah says, oh, you who believe, if you look after that verse, there will be a command that either brings you benefit or prevents you harm, prevents harm from you. That's it. There's a command that's gonna bring a benefit. Fasting has been prescribed for you so that you can achieve taqwa. This is a benefit. Look at the fifth verse of the 49th chapter of the Quran, if, or sixth verse. If a rebellious person comes to you with information, O believers, Verify at least you harm somebody. So we see this pattern. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu is either an amr li jabal musalih or nahyan dar al-mafasid. Is either a command which is bringing us benefit or prohibition that's keeping us from harm. This is the foundation of Islam. This is our mandate as a community as we work in the world because the greatest benefit we can bring, of course, is bringing people bi to jannah insha'Allah. So this hadith where the Prophet authentically said, as related by Imam Tirmidhi, that fasting has been lifted from the pregnant woman and the breastfeeding woman is the example of mara'at al-mafasid wal-masalih, looking after benefits and harms. Scholars, and this is where we're going to find the difference that maybe some of you find confusing, they agreed in the, on this dispensation. All of those madhabs, Sunni, Shia, 
any madhab within the Sunni school of Zahiriya, they all agree on this issue. What they differ over is what does this pregnant woman or this breastfeeding woman have to do to recompense the missed fast? And this is where I don't want to get too technical, but I'm just going to mention the opinions and then I'm going to mention the evidences for the opinion that I personally hold and that I shared with you, alhamdulillah, um, on, on Instagram and hopefully it will bring some clarity. And I encourage you when people are giving you fatwa on Instagram or religious answers, it's perfectly acceptable for you. And actually it is your right to ask them, are they trained in fatwa? Are they trained? Have they gone to like law school in the Muslim world and studied? Because this is your deen. And these answers can have an incredible impact on people. And they impact their health, they impact their families, they impact their children. So we have to be extremely cautious in preventing harm and bringing benefit. That's why Imam Al-Haramain, one of the great jurists, he said that the Mufti does not wait for people to be in harm, but the wise Mufti is the one who acts before people fall into harm, right? So the Mufti isn't the one who waits until the house starts to burn down and then grabs water. No, 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 they're going to make sure the house passes the inspection so that it doesn't catch on fire in the first place. Pay attention to this. So the scholars differed. There are three opinions about what a pregnant or breastfeeding woman has to do who chooses not to fast because this is her right to choose that no one can take from her, no one can force her. And as we mentioned the hadith earlier, no one can compulse her to fast or should intimidate her into fasting. The first is the opinion of the Sadat al-Hanafiyya. Alhamdulillah, I was lucky to study Hanafi fiqh years ago. And the Sadat al-Shafi'iyya, which I was lucky also to study, and one opinion attributed to Imam Malik. Because there are actually two opinions attributed to him, but this is not the mashhur opinion. And that is that a woman who is pregnant or breastfeeding and she chooses not to fast, she has to make up the fast as well as pay the kafara, pay the expiation, or the fidya, excuse me, pay the fidya, excuse me. She has to pay the fidya. The second opinion is the opinion attributed to Imam Malik, and this is the more predominant opinion in our madhab, that the only thing she has to do is make up the day and not pay the fidya. This is the second opinion. You can ask these different madhabs for their evidences. They have evidences for these positions. We respect these positions. We can differ without attacking each other. We can take these. These are issues where there's a lot of breath, a lot of openness. Um, there's no definitive answer. We don't need to fight and, and, and divide the ummah. But it is my responsibility in my training to share with you what answer I think is best and most responsible. Wabilahi tawfiq. The third opinion is the opinion of many of the great Sahaba. Yeah, the first opinion, as I mentioned earlier, was the opinion of the Hanafis, the Shafi'is, and one opinion attributed to Imam Malik. The second opinion is the more predominant opinion attributed to Imam Malik, which we know. And the third opinion is attributed to Abdullah ibn Abbas and Abdullah ibn Umar, radiallahu anhumah, and Sa'id ibn Jubair, radiallahu anhu as well as other illustrious Sahaba and their students. Like Anas ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And that is, and I'm gonna mention three evidences, all of them are sahih. 
All of them are authentic. The first is Ibn Abbas, who the Prophet ﷺ, he prayed for him that he would be the explainer of the Quran, who is known as Habr of the Ummah, of the Ummah, excuse me, the Habr of the Ummah, you know, the great scholar of the Ummah of the Prophet ﷺ, a Sahabi, who his wife, as I recall, in the Sunan of Sayyidina Imam Andara Qutni, volume one, hadith number 265. And, we can relate this hadith with its sanad back to Sayyidina Imam Darqutni. That Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, actually there was a woman who birthed a child to him and she came to him. And the narrator says either she was pregnant or she was breastfeeding. And she asked Sayyidina Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, what should I do? And he said to her, alayka al-jaza'a that you have to pay the fidya, but you don't have to make qada. This narration is sahih. There's no doubt about it. وَعَلَيْهِ عِنْدَ السَّرَفِ الْعَمَلِ And there were early Muslims, some early Muslims, who acted on this. There's also another narration, which is also sahih, from Sayyidina Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, where he said to a woman almost the exact same thing. The second evidence, and there are two, is related on behalf of Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah. And we all know who is Abdullah ibn Umar, mashallah. Also from Imam Adar Qutni, and also with a sanad which is sahih. And that is that Abdullah ibn Umar, his daughter, she married somebody from Mecca. And mashallah, she became pregnant. And she came to Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah, and she asked her father, what should I do? It was during Ramadan. He said, Aftiri wa ta'ini. Break your fast, break your fast, and pay the fidya. That's it. Another narration, as I recall, says you don't have to make qada. So now we see two authentic narrations, alhamdulillah, attributed to some of the greatest companions of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma. We mentioned two narrations. The second, Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma with his daughter. And then the second, the fourth narration is also mentioned by Abdullah ibn Umar. And you can find this if you're Hanbali in Manar al-Sabil. That subhanAllah, the wife of Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, anhuma, excuse me, it's late here and I'm, I'm sort of tired. So forgive me. She asked him also the same question. She was pregnant, what should I do? And he said to her, pay the fidya, break your fast and pay the fidya. Radiallahu anhuma. So here are four narrations, sahih, authentic, back to the companions, great companions of the Prophet. Those who are listed amongst the 33 great scholars of fiqh, um, of the companions who were known as people of ijtihad, that clearly state that a pregnant woman can break her fast or a breastfeeding woman can break her fast and pay the fidya.